Hi there, gang, and welcome to episode two of the Race Sim Central podcast, where simmers of yore sit in a grizzled room and talk about darkness. I'm John Denton, and with me I have Simon Croft and Tim Wheatley. So, Tim, we tried to make this a monthly podcast, but it's coming on for nearly two months. We've all been a little bit too sick to get together. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I still am a little bit flemmy now. It's. It's been this ongoing thing where it just. It, 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 I've just had a lot of difficulty clearing it up, and my lungs haven't been uh, too good for the last couple of years anyway. So yeah, it, it, it just takes me a little bit longer to get rid of a cold now, and my kids just bring them home every single week. The never-ending phlegm nightmare. Um, how are you doing, Simon? Are you recovered from all your maladies? Hmm. I, I too have been on the child-induced Flem Express, and um, I now I'm on the. Uh, I'm definitely over the peak of a, a chest infection, but it's like Tim. Once once you get to a certain age, these things seem to linger around for a lot longer. So I yeah. apologise in advance for, in advance for any coughs or throat clearing. On and on they drag. Yes. So Tim, what have you been simming recently? I've been going back to Grand Prix Legends. Um, about a month ago, I posted a video on the Racing Central YouTube where I uh, had done some hot laps in the um, Honda on every single track. And uh, I'm now doing the Cooper. Um, and I'm going to go through every single car, do some hot laps um, on, every, on every single of the original Papyrus tracks. Um, I feel like I got uh, like right back into the groove straight away. It just felt really natural, um, even though it was the Honda that everybody else seemed to despise. This is um, with an unmodded version, so technically in a Murasama. Yeah, it's. Um, I, I did uh, install the um, the GPLEA um, visual. Um, mods. Okay, so that turns it, that names it as a Honda, doesn't it? In within the yeah. same, yeah, yeah. Okay, yes, it does. What was the original name for the Cooper before? Coventry. Coventry, that's right. Yeah, I, I used to find the Honda. I mean, I'm, go, I'm going back a bit because I haven't driven GPL in quite a while, but I used to find the Honda quite sort of tame and pleasant to drive. It just wasn't fast enough. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people had issues because it, it, it kind of. It had a lot of power, but it was also really heavy. So it was um, a big kind of momentum car, whereas with the Cooper, you can kind of throw it around like it's a uh, go-kart. Yeah, the um, the Honda, I recall, had a lot of weight over the rear axle, and as a result, it would understeer quite a lot. Never didn't have the same front-end response as um, yep. as some of the faster cars. Yeah. Yeah, you, had, you, you kind of can get around it a little bit. You can throw it sideways like it's a rally car. Um, and, uh, you know, as long as you have the right feel for it, you can catch it and you can use that. Yeah. Well, I've been uh, playing with iRacing a bit recently with the Dallara, Dallara IR18, definitely not an indie car. Um, it's uh, quite a lot of fun, but uh, for on the retro front, I, I put in some time, I mean, it's probably... Um, um, nearly a month ago now, but I put in some time on uh, revs um, for you actually, Tim, because of course I I put together those laps in revs um, covering the tracks, uh, getting in hot laps, and I have yet to do Snetterton. Um, the main reason uh, I've been taking so long to sort this out is because I don't really know Snetterton very well, and 
well, or certainly in its 1980s guise. Um, and all the other tracks, Alton Park, Brands Hatch, Donington, they were much, and, and Silverstone were, came came much easier because I know those tracks so well. Um, and and I think I seem to remember in the in the distant past, in you know in in the nineteen eighties, I'd spent nearly all of my time in revs on the Silverstone, even though we did get the additional track pack. Um, I think I stuck with Silverstone because I knew it, you know, and it, it seemed too much effort to try and learn a new track. Um, but yeah, um, I'm still getting there. I'm not ready. I need to get my time down because I, I, I looked up the original, as with all of these laps, looked up the original lap time set by David Hunt, was it, in the Route RT10 yes. um, at the time, and I think it was the 1983 British Formula 3 Championship. So I'm looking to try and match his lap times or his, or his qualifying times to, to do these hot laps, and I'm, I'm still, uh, I think I'm about three seconds off, so I've got some, got some work to do there. Yeah, I, I, I think when you originally did the uh, previous hot laps for me, it was really nice to see how well um, the times matched up with the real world times. And, and obviously I posted that video on the Racing Central YouTube as well of um, some real Silverstone footage side by side with uh, footage from the sim and, you know, the, the track matched up amazingly well also. So, um, yeah, it's, it's really, really nice to see... Um, how, how that can be, and that you are obviously genuinely a couple of seconds off. How how easy do you find it, or how hard is it learning a track you don't know so well in that environment, where obviously it doesn't have the graphical fidelity and reference points that you would have in something like iRacing today? It's a lot harder because you don't well, you don't see as much, obviously, and um, you, it's really hard to necessarily judge the the right line to take through a corner um, and so it takes just doing more laps and having to sort of trial and error it a bit the track they have signs up on the track so you've got like the braking markers um just i think say three two one um and you will also have a little sign marker that points to the left or points to the right or there's one for a hairpin as well um the you know, at least let you know which direction the next corner is going to be going. Um, but the biggest difficulty is fast corners. Like you, you know, as you learn, you go, oh well, I've got a left hander here. I'm going to slow right down, trundle round it in second gear. Actually, getting to the point in faster corners where you realise quite how fast you can go um, takes a lot um, because uh, you know, like revs for all its greatness, um, one of its weakest parts is is when you reach the limit, you're kind of gone. Um, and what you have to do is really work up to the limit. Um, and you do reach a point where the car will sort of slide around a bit and and you can hold it, hold on to it. But um, yeah, when you're gone, you're gone. And, and uh, then you have to start from scratch again. So it takes you back to the beginning. And, and, and you're not cheating like these modern YouTubers by using a steering wheel that you've emulated in, right? You're using keys? Yeah, using keyboard, of course. Yeah, yeah, it's the only proper way. Yeah. So the keyboard has this strange, you know, control to slip the clutch and the, on the gear. Um, so it's not, it's not the same sort of keyboard controls as F1 GP was, which were far more intuitive, really. It's, um, yeah. it's a bit weird. 
to get used to, especially when you're changing gear and, and you know, when whenever I when I went back to it in Snetterton, obviously the last time when I'd done those other three tracks I'd put in loads of time and you get used to it, but when I went back to Snetterton I was the the changing gear stuff like I kept changing up when I wanted to change down and vice versa and it's just a bit non intuitive on the keyboard controls, but you get there in the end. Okay, Simon, what have you been simming? So, uh, two titles I've played since we last spoke, and one, I think, crosses into the, the title of Sim, and one definitely doesn't. So one is, one is Wreckfest. Um, it's a game I bought Christmas, sort of for my kids, sort of for myself, just on the Switch, so playing it for controller. Um, and it's, I find it quite an impressive title. There's clearly a lot going on under the surface. It's impossible, I think, to judge with a controller that doesn't have analog shoulder buttons quite how good a job it's doing on the physics front but it's it's believable it sucks you in you can certainly kind of immerse yourself in it and 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 really get into the swing of things and then yeah slightly further away from the the sim end of the spectrum has been quite a lot of time on mario kart 8 which um trying to teach a slightly impatient seven-year-old the finer points of racing lines is maybe not the best task ever, but when they're about to be hit by a train or eaten by a plant, it makes it a bit harder. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's that's been my uh, my fun. A lot of fun's been had. I'll say that much. I presume in Wreckfest, there's no trains or, or plants. No, you can crash into each other on lawn mowers or in combine harvesters or various things, but you can also just get into something quite clearly resembling a real-world car. Um, there is there is a quite a nice roster in there for someone of my 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 tastes. You know, there's quite clearly a, a Mark II Escort in there, Datsun 240Z, etc., etc., and then some slightly more fanciful things. Um, it's kind of like a banger racing sim, though. Some yeah, it, it it covers quite a lot actually. So some of it is pure banger racing, and in quite a sort of fantastical sense, you know, figure of eight racing on a motorized sofa. Um, but then some <clears throat> some of it's actually a lot more grounded in in real life series. So a lot of it resembles kind of the Scandinavian folk racing scene, which is sort of a lower budget version of rallycross, effectively. So it's bring what you've got, race it on these kind of mixer tracks. And in that respect, it's definitely doing something that I've not seen in another sim, certainly out of the box. It's it's worth mentioning uh, with you mentioning rallycross as well. The team that's behind Wreckfest um, previously uh, worked on uh, Rally Trophy, um, which was uh, a, a decent historic rally sim. And uh, yeah, they they genuinely do have a background in you know kind of real simulation and and everything like that. And I I, I think Wreckfest is one of those titles like, where you could have more fun in that than almost anything else it's it's very appealing it's very easy to get into um i i can race with it on a, a keyboard no no problem on a, a laptop because it it essentially runs on a potato it's like it's it, it's it's really um a very 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 nice game does it have uh historic vehicles as well like uh, say any of the rally trophy type stuff there's a few that that 
could be certainly put in that category. Yeah, they they also have. Um, I, I think they have like winged sprint cars even and like stuff like that now as well for for oval racing. This this yeah. So the in the in the kind of core out the box no DLC. There are things like, as I say, Mark II Escort, old Jags even, um, um, something resembling a kind of Mark One Toyota MR2. So you kind of t- and then some various sort of slightly more odd things so sort of 70s 80s type stuff and then yeah with the the dlc i mean you end up with some quite ridiculous stuff but yeah there are some kind of you know it it then sort of moves into uh other series and stuff and brings in some other kind of slightly more real world based things and there's a real mix of tracks and stuff in there as well it does it does offer a huge amount of experiences and it's up to you a little bit sometimes to work around the game a bit to get the experience you maybe want from it you know like you're not going to have a clean race against the ai put it that way so if you if you want it to be a you know a very much focus on the driving then you want it to be hot mapping and time trial on it though you know a bit of door-to-door contact does kind of actually emulate some of the real world rallycross stuff quite well what i think is really great about the way that the gameplay naturally comes to this title is is that you um, you, you you could quite easily just drive drive a clean race, you know, with the odd kind of door bang and and and, and things like that. But there's there's this calculated moment where you can make this this choice, where you see a concrete block and there's someone to your side, and it it's just so so tempting to just sort of slowly move over and make sure that they hit that, and um, you know, gives you that nice little bit of clean air that you needed. Yeah, the, I mean, the, outrageous. The, there's, there's, there's a fairly comprehensive damage model going on, and you you can change the, da- the the level of damage to the point where you know one heavy front end smash and you're out. You know, so in that sense, it is quite, you know, you're not just smashing into everything willy nilly if you don't want that to be the way it goes. And it, the same applies to the AI. But yeah, it also has got various kind of like you know um, like bonus tasks where it's like smash out five opponents in a race and stuff. So you know you can kind of. You can play it how you want it and like you say you know if you're getting a bit pissed off with a certain car that's kind of you know giving you trouble then yeah you can you can end it quite significantly for that car if you so please are the tracks real tracks no i don't um i don't know if any of them are possibly based either completely or loosely on real ones but i think they're the fictional there is actually um because you you brought in rally trophy tim there is a old rally trophy stage in there um i didn't realize for quite a long time it's when you go into the delve into the sort of time trial mode it's there i don't think it actually appears in the kind of standard career career core sort of path of the game interesting i just, i seem to remember uh, not paying it much attention because it wasn't really uh, simulationy enough for my liking if i recall there was no clutch simulation in there outrageous um so yeah it's a and and Mario Kart, as you find that um, it's a useful tool for teaching uh, racing lines and such. N- not yet, but um, it, it's a good way to annoy your child by winning, <laughs> definitely. And um, yeah, it's more it, it's well suited to playing in the car whilst you're waiting for a big sister to come at a drama club than it is about teaching the finer finer points of car control and uh, racecraft. 
Fair enough. I do. I, the last Mario Kart I probably played was on the SNES. I think I, I seem to remember still beating most of my friends at the time by knowing what racing lines were. Um, so you know, I think it's I think it's got an element of that. Just you know, hitting apexes and things like that. You still do do a quicker lap time, but then you get you know somebody throws a whatever it is they throw at you from behind and you well you get, get a turbo boost for doing the biggest drift and etc uh, etc et but mm. it, Some, like, somebody's like, left a banana skin in the track or whatever yeah i mean like, like a lot of games in my so um mario kart was one of the first kind of car games i ever owned and i remember i always used to try and play it like i was really racing a car so i'd go on go on time trial there's no other cars there's no none of the banana skins turtle shells and yeah, the fastest way in general is still to apply, you know, real world logic to it. Hit that, hit those clipping points, etc. It's strange you were doing with Mario Kart what I was doing with revs. <laughs> All right. So um, as as before, I've asked uh, my uh, two uh, compatriots to bring. Um, a topic of discussion along. So um, let's start with you, Simon. What, what did you want to talk about today? Yeah, so um, broadly speaking, uh, the sort of su subject I want to discuss is what I'd maybe frame as like un untapped opportunities for simulations, which is suitably vague and meaningless. And I'll try and try and expand on that a bit before. I think, um, you know, the two titles I've just given maybe in some ways more Wreckfest to begin with. What I think is really interesting with Wreckfest is that it's basically putting you in some quite odd situations or situations you wouldn't normally have experienced in a in a simulation, albeit with a pretty solid physics engine and handling model. And one thing that I kind of, I'm sure there might be some exceptions out there and you guys might be able to point some out to me, but by and large, when you've look in or find realistic handling, realistic physics in some kind of car game, it's very much a, a, in a racing sim. It's in this, the same old environments of, you know, real cars, maybe fictional cars, fictional tracks, but it's it's never too adventurous with that. And, you know, in just thinking about kind of some of the, the things I've experienced. So, for example, playing Mario Kart, you know, obviously some of the tracks are utterly insane. You know, you're riding upside down on a rainbow and stuff but actually some of them are I play them and I just think this would be a really cool track to throw a rally car around if I could have this track in Richard Burns rally for example I would be incredibly happy to try and nail these ridiculous routes and, and, and corners and undulations and cambers and stuff and I think just sort of more broadly there are lots of applications where if you were to take real-world physics handling etc and put it in different environments and circumstances there'd be a huge amount of fun to be had i think um i think somebody's done rainbow road for a seto corsa uh, as a model <laughs> actually um i think uh, one of the um sims that the tim can probably talk about um here to bring up is jeff Crammon's stunt car racer um Tim, you, yeah. you played that recently, haven't you? You've played every yeah, I, old sim recently. I play that at least once a year, and there was definitely a period where it was all I played. It uh, it, it was also remade as an R-Factor mod by uh, 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 Mad Cowie, I think his name was, 
um, yeah. who who made a selection of the tracks and obviously the um, similar car and things and and uh, yeah, it, it really um, had what can only be described as roller coaster tracks. I think actually one of them was named roller coaster. Um, and there was movable parts in there. There was a drawbridge that went up and down where if you hit it at the wrong time, you you wouldn't make the jump. And if you hit it at the right time, you would. Um, and yeah, I, I think there's definitely a place for games like that. And what's been really nice recently, um, iRacing just bought a studio called uh, Orontas Games. I, I think they are. I think they're a German studio. Um, and they were making a racing game called Drag which has just recently been renamed to uh, Exocross and uh, it's got a really decent physics engine Um, the cars are interesting, the environments are interesting and um, it it does feature a lot of the things that I think Simon would be really interested in and um, that actually is supposed to be a full release so we're not actually that far away from that and um, I, I think that might actually fill that little product gap quite nicely. So, Simon, are you of the feeling then that you know is the point that you're suggesting that these that the games uh, should look at more fantastical or sci-fi settings specifically, or would you say, for instance, like a game that's like say Jalopy, um, yeah. but with a realistic physics implementation and a nicer driving experience? Um, so I'm very much not just thinking in terms of, you know, Mario Kart tracks and stuff. You know, um, for example, a, a title that lets you have to be a, a driving a police car with realistic, realistic physics in a realistic environment. So, you know, elements almost of Grand Theft Auto or, or Driver, which actually is a title that I think at the time had a pretty decent driving model, certainly at, at my in those tender years of mine on, on a PlayStation with a controller. Um, and, you know, there's, there's all sorts of kind of ideas. You know, I, I was thinking, you know, New Zelda came, just come out. I've been uh, revisiting Breath of the Wild with my son. And, John, and I think you and I have sort of mentioned something along this or thrown some ideas around in the past, but I was, I've made some brief notes here and put Zelda in a land cruiser. You know, some, some some sense of basically, you know, you're trying to explore. And I know there are titles like kind of Mudrunner and Snowrunner that give you this an element of kind of open world with, with things to do. But I think, you know, some kind of vehicle-based RPG would be an amazing opportunity. Or, I mean, again, just sort of something random that came to mind is you... You know, if you've ever watched things like a show like The Walking Dead, you know, imagine being in The Walking Dead, but actually you're driving your car through these hordes, but actually you've got realistic damage model um, modeling and um, realistic handling. You're trying to kind of escape, but you're trying to preserve your car. You know, we spoke last time about vehicle preservation and stuff. I just think there's there's all sorts of scenarios where I I enjoy driving in the real world and I enjoy driving in simulations but I'm also the guy who when you watch Toy Story 1 bemoans the physics of the RC car and I think why can't why can't it be this kind of living toy but it also actually behaves realistically in terms of physics and I think I just feel the same with a lot of vehicle based games rather than sims it's like actually I don't think this need be it might be a bit less accessible but you know you can get around that with all sorts of aids and stuff. I mean, Tim, you mentioned how easily you can play Breakfast on a keyboard on a laptop. I just think there are a lot of 
applications of vehicles in games that would would not be diminished by making those vehicles realistic. Yeah, and I I do think there is a market for that. Like you know, if you if if you look at mods as as, as a way to gauge interest, I think that a set of Corsa, especially with uh, traffic mods and things as well. There's you know there's there's the Pacific Coast Highway mods, and you know there's there's um, I think there's a lot of Japanese um, highway mods now. Where yeah, there's a whole area in Osaka. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I mean, I do feel like there is genuine interest in things like that, where it's essentially free roaming. And and yeah, you're right too. I don't really understand why a lot of games that aren't strictly driving games don't actually put a little bit more effort into the driving, or maybe license someone else's physics, or you know whatever they need to do to. Um, improve that when they're driving through hordes of zombies. Well, I mean, as an example, Carmageddon at the time, I think, had some of the best physics available. Um, you know, that, that was around the time of like IndyCar Racing 2, and, and the standard, obviously, of physics was of a certain level then. Um, and, you know, like Carmageddon gave you that Walking Dead type thing, didn't it? You know, but um, are either of you aware of a game coming soon that I believe it's called Pacific Drive? And it's set in a, nope. it's set yeah. in a sort of post-apocalypse, and you have an old station wagon, um, and you've got to use that to go and get supplies or do X, Y, Z. You know, like you get, so there's a story progression essentially to deal with, and you have to you you add upgrades to this car and and, and strengthen it and things like that, and um, you know a lot of crazy things happen. Now, I mean, this looks really cool. This game, uh, you know, for a start. But, you know, I've seen quite a bit of footage of it, and what's clear to me is that the physics are very much at the level of, say, Grand Theft Auto, um, which I think, you know, if you are a, a, a certainly a mainstream game developer, you would say that the level of physics in Grand Theft Auto is as good as most people want it to be. Um, and so people like us that want a maybe more realistic and solid driving experience are a relative minority in that sense and you know the millions upon maybe even billions of people that play Grand Theft Auto probably the cars handle pretty well pretty usably in Grand Theft Auto and I think that sort of sets the standard for what a sort of more mainstream game might use. Yeah I, I do think I play Grand Theft Auto in a pretty weird way and but I think that you play it in a more weird way based on what you've told me. Um, so stop at traffic I, lights. Yeah, you stop at traffic lights. <laughs> but um, I, 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 I do drive the cars in Grand Theft Auto in a kind of defensive way. Um, you know, I, I am not looking to take damage. I want the car to get where I'm going without having to stop and kind of carjack someone else and things like that. It's, um, you know, I, I do play that in what is probably considered a bit of a weird way for sure and and that probably is the the sim racer coming across but they, think, sorry sorry Michael. I was just going to say I think on your point about you know say Grand Theft Auto physics are as good as most people want <clears throat> I don't disagree with that at all I think you're completely right I think what I would say is that making them more realistic doesn't necessarily mean making that game unplayable for most people. I think there's a. I don't, you know, a car in Grand Theft Auto. You're driving around the city, is not need to be as hard to drive as you know an Indy car in iRacing on the limit. 
you can have a pretty robust physics engine that's fairly simple, but it actually follows kind of realistic physical laws. And I think that I think there's a big middle ground between the absolute extreme of physical accuracy and the basically let's make a car that handles like an eraser. Yeah, I mean the 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 simple way to to back that up is that I think anybody can drive an IndyCar at like ninety ninety five percent, you know, without have, having any issues at all. So eighty, you know, it, <laughs> yeah, perhaps. Um, if 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 someone is going to um, drive in a kind of a reckless way in Grand Theft Auto, then they're probably expecting to crash the car anyway. So what's 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 the difference almost? They're, they're probably setting out to crash and, and enjoying doing lurid slides in the process. But yeah, I'd just like to add, of course, there isn't an Indy car in iRacing. Of course, sorry. For the, yeah. for the <laughs> any lawyers that are listening. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> sort of agree in a way, Simon, that I would like since like I, I mean, I think um, when you mentioned um, SnowRunner, MudRunner, like I enjoyed SnowRunner for what it is, um, but you know where you mentioned, for instance, that there could be an RPG and, and story behind it. Usually, you know, these are things that more mainstream games with larger teams are developing, and, and SnowRunner is obviously made by a much smaller team. So, the 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 sort of gameplay aspect is quite it's kind of like it's kind of basic, really. You know, like it's this sort of um, elite style you know there's no um there's no purpose to what you're doing you're you other than say acquiring money to get bigger trucks and upgrade those trucks and like you know the the money that you acquire through doing jobs has no other purpose other than to build up your fleet of trucks um and so you know like you you get so well i get kind of bored of it after a while because you're just sort of going through a gameplay loop that has a limited amount uh, to it. And, and the fun is obviously getting stuck in the mud with your truck and trying to drag this trailer through here or whatever. And, you know, you've got to go and pick up, got to go and dig this uh, oil tanker out of a lake or, or things like that, which uh, it's kind of cool. Um, but like it, you know, you, I think you get sort of struck with this lack of purpose after a while, and so it would it would benefit, I think, from having more sort of story driven aspect to it. Yeah, I mean, it, I guess you, you can look at it two ways. You could take a game like that and say, could this be complemented or made better by adding more story in or or or, or whatever? But as you say, you know, questions of resources and stuff. I think you could also look at it the other way, and I. You know, in a way, I'm kind of saying, imagine if Half-Life 2 had good physics on the buggy. Or imagine if in these games, I mean, it's kind of a point you made, Tim. Basically, if you've got a game that's got a vehicle in it, why can't that vehicle just handle slightly more realistically rather than just be kind of an afterthought, which is often how it seems to be? And then, yeah, maybe there's somewhere in, in between, which is you, you make some... You, you introduce a very new type of title which very much has vehicles at their core as a mechanic of it, rather than it's one stage in a vehicle or, you know, we're tacking a story on here or something. But are you restricting your user base then to people that have got a wheel and pedals? Or are you expecting that, 
you know, like how easy is it to drive a, um, a high fidelity sim, shall we say, with a joypad? Well, I mean, people can play um, a set of Corsa, Wreckfest, and they're both titles that I think are, you know, undeniably sims in terms of their, you know, underlying engine and behavior. And you can obviously add filters and assists and everything else. I'm not saying everyone has to be playing it as if you were on a iRacing league where everyone is, or everyone's adhering to the kind of strict kind of mechanicals and mechanical sympathies and everything else of a car, but rather just there's the freedom there to actually experience a more realistic vehicular element to it. I, I, I think, you know, if you go back and you look at the history of the genre, I mean, you, you, you brought up um, some older titles. I mean, even the original Need for Speed was advanced for its time. Um, you know, it, it, it had uh, a reasonable physics engine. You were driving down a street with, with, with traffic. There was, you know, police and things like that. But it was, um, for the time, it was uh, marketed as, you know, realistic physics. And and it was pretty good at the time. Yeah. For, for, the, for the physics that we got in Sims at the time, it was very good, the yeah. first Need for Speed. Yeah, I think other, other than Papyrus, it was probably among the top top five simulations out there yeah. and mm. um, you know that that kind of gameplay or that the player that would play that hasn't gone away they've just been driven in different directions and well I think that's a good example though because the Need for Speed series is still with us and the physics have I wouldn't say deprecated but they've changed they've become more arcadey essentially um, yeah, and that was sure. the direction that obviously the game designers chose to go in and my feeling is that's to a that's to you know bring in more uh, of a player base and then when you had the shift um kind of branch of the title it then just became another sim racing game it wasn't what need for speed was in its kind of yeah yeah and its ancestors you know that that thing and then now you've got you know well i don't know if it's really a present title anymore but then you, you had like things like burnout that became massive which were you know effectively like crazy taxi you know it's just kind of physics aren't a part of this it's just get from a to b as fast as possible and smash as much stuff as you can but is it I possible just... that a lot of people played that first need for speed in exactly that way and that's what led to games like burnout being developed there is Who... definitely a kind of chicken and egg type thing you know which 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 way which way were things driven there but i i, I do genuinely think that those players are still out there um and if they had to maybe turn down a difficulty level on the opponents so that they could drive within their own, you know, uh, skill level, then I think that is a better option than dumbing down the physics so that they can always win. Yeah, I mean, I think games like Forza Horizon service this need very well. I mean, the physics in Forza Horizon are not bad at all when you're in a situation where you're sort of driving a car down the road. Um, but then they also let you get away with doing enormous jumps off things and, you know, landing and being fine and, and getting a high score uh, flash up in front of you for achieving a, you know, oh, you leaped 500 metres with your car and now you're just going to drive off and it's completely fine. Um, but, like, no, there, there are some challenges in um, Forza Horizon, the last one I played was Forza Horizon 4, where it's like, you know, get round this circuit as quickly as possible, and it's a 
piece of road. Um, and you know, they, they, it, you have to really push the limits. And, and then when you start doing that, you realize that the handling's pretty good. Um, you know, it's not got the, like I say, the fidelity of, of some of these, uh, of, of iRacing or, or probably Assetto Corsa or, um, or probably Gran, Gran Turismo, frankly, but um, it's certainly at a level where I think the casual gamer plays it and thinks it feels like a car, you know. Yeah, and that's, that's what's really important um, when it comes down to it, is that if you drive the virtual car like a car, does it do the things that cars do? Um, you know, it, it, it uh, you can certainly drive even what are considered to be top tier simulations in an unrealistic way, and they will do unrealistic things. Um, you know, that's that's part of the way to judge which ones are the best. But um, the, the more uh, sort of simcade arcade ones, um, those are terms that other people really use more than me, but. Uh, those kind of titles, um, you can still do the simulation thing. You can still drive them in a real car way and get a real car out of them. I mean, I think I think a great example of this is, for example, Damage. Right? You, you could play any sim you want and have Damage turned off. Right? So you can put my child, my son, in it and he smashes it up at the first corner and then he just carries on and smashes it at the next corner and so on and so forth and he's going to get over the line <clears throat> I could also play it and I clip something or I have an off and I'm like get really angry and then you know like I don't just carry on smashing my way around I try my best not to do that so that's something that allows you to try enjoy the kind of realistic physics and the driving experience but it also offers a huge level of leniency to different abilities and i think I you mean think, that, um, you mean that you can turn the damage on or off well yeah but or, or if you wanted you know because you, you were making i think a point you were kind of getting at john was well if, if you introduce more realistic vehicle physics into a kind of more general game is it then becoming like out of reach of people to play it like more mainstream and i guess the, the point is is that you can have realistic handling which doesn't necessarily mean you have to be punished realistically for you know failing to control it or drive properly and i suppose what you could also say is if you you know in terms of you know could people handle this without a wheel and everything else well look at gran turismo and how many copies that sells and how many people play that on a pad if people can buy that and play that in front of their tv on, the, on a playstation controller there's no reason they couldn't drive one of those cars with that level of physics across a city or couldn't be doing that in an RPG or, or anything else. Obviously, people buying it are buying it as a car game, but still, if, if that's selling millions of copies and is, is a serviceable thing... Yeah, then... I, I mean, I get the point, and I think Gran Turismo in that sense benefits because it doesn't have car damage. And that's you know, sort of like point. People, can... people I talk to about normal video games... Uh, regard the physics and car handling in Gran Turismo as too difficult. Um, and I would agree that there is a point in the game you can get to, you know, like when you start driving the faster cars and getting into the point, like in the late game, when you're driving things like um, like LMP1 cars, the the controller, unless you've got incredible 
um, incredibly deft thumbs, using a controller at that point becomes very, very difficult to do. And I think I think you need to have um, a steering wheel and pedals. You don't necessarily need to have a really good steering wheel and pedals, but just be able to have that finer level of control on the steering wheel and, and throttle. I think when you're in the early game and you're driving Mazda Demios and stuff, then that's different. And, and indeed, as you say, if you're driving around a city in that Mazda Demio, then that's going to be absolutely fine, isn't it? Or Zelda and a Land Cruiser. You can't go wrong, you know. <laughs> uh, you, you just hit the nail on the head there with your last comment, is that um, maybe the whole requirement for doing this is that people start off driving what would be considered a lesser vehicle that gradually builds their skill level. Yeah, I mean, that's a dynamic that Gran Turismo has had since the start, hasn't it? And... Um, Lots of uh, people that very much take their sim racing very seriously um, object a great deal usually to having to acquire cars like that or having to work up and they think they should be able to jump into the fastest car from the start. Personally, with Gran Turismo for me, I, as far as I'm concerned, that's what the game is. Um, and there's an awful lot of actual fun to be had. There's more fun, I think, to be had in the... Certainly in the mid-game when you're driving Porsche 911s and things like that, then, then maybe there is... Because uh, I think I think as well that the physics simulation, uh, its issues are highlighted by uh, stiffer, um, higher-fidelity cars like LMP1 cars or certainly the Super Formula car. Yeah, um, I, I think uh, skill level two has actually worked really well. Um, obviously, it even works for the um, th things like iRacing. You know, you... you you drive a skip bar, but you drive a lesser vehicle before you drive a uh, definitely not an indie car. Um. Okay, well that's enough of that, Simon. All this unrealistic nonsense. We'll Tim, what subject have you got? Hopefully, we can talk about uh, vehicle simulations. <laughs> well, um, I am doing what I usually do. I'm looking back at how things have worked in the past. I've been going through. Um, and putting up a load of old press releases and old screenshots and things like that up on the on the website, and um, it, it's it's made me think kind of more and more of um, how things are marketed different these days compared to how they used to be, where um, sim racers would effectively wait uh, some, sometimes weeks, sometimes months for a new screenshot of of the upcoming title to be to be posted on the uh, developer's website. You would get maybe a, a trailer. Um, a single trailer for, for, for a uh, title which was you know coming up um, you might not even get that trailer posted online it might be on a CD of a different game and um, it was almost like a closed off world and there was obviously a difference in how things were developed at that time where it uh, was a boxed product it was finished it was sent off to the stores um, and now it's uh, we do ongoing development, so it is a lot more difficult to be closed off, I think. Um, but uh, I'm just thinking about the pros and cons of all that, and um, going back as a bit of a retrospective on uh, early R Factor Two uh, marketing and um, times with ISI, how uh, that didn't always come through as a positive, where there would be something that was licensed and announced or something that um, was um, maybe in early development that was announced and basically never made it to the product 
Um, those are the kind of situations that uh, really never used to exist. And I just wondered what you guys think about how things were uh, past versus present. Well, as you say, in the past, a product would be developed as a whole thing rather than, you know, this idea that you're marketing just just a car or something like that. I feel like in these days, there's quite an overload of um, of this sort of thing, you know, and, and things like you go to Twitter any day and it's like, Oh, we've got a big announcement coming at uh, XYZ and and that big announcement is that you know they're adding a tree um to one of the tracks or something like that you know and and you're like oh well we were all supposed to get really fizzed up for that um and then so that that amount of overload does lead to a certain point where you're going you know oh we've got a big announcement what's the big announcement oh it's a mini okay well I'm not that excited about that car but you know so maybe some people are um but the 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 sort of uh, media hype that goes around everything in, in all of video games um, is does extend to the sim racing world. To some I extent. think, I think, uh, yeah, and it's, it's hard for me to separate me getting older and more disillusioned with the world and people and stuff. But I've just, I've just basically gone completely away from looking at any previews i don't look at any of this stuff i basically wait and then something's released and if i hear good things i'll have a look and then if i think yeah this looks like something i really want to get on then then i'll get on it it's not to say i kind of you know i don't completely remove myself from exposure to news of new titles or new new releases or updates and stuff but i just just don't don't believe the hype basically and it's not to say i disbelieve it i just Every everything is the next biggest best thing, and it obviously all can't be. So let's just wait and see. Is almost my motto. Yeah, I I think you know, kind of thinking back through the timeline of, of things, the the title that really kind of bridged the gap between um, old marketing styles and new marketing styles, or you know, old uh, development types even. Um, was probably both World Sports Cars and uh, Racing Legends because um, that was the first title that I remember seeing really early footage, really early screenshots, getting almost direct uh, communication with the developers, having them answer individuals' questions on, on forums and things like that. Um, and as, a f as what really in my mind was a first experience of that kind of open dialogue it really didn't turn out that well yeah i'd so, agree with that it was yeah. that was the time when i was you know first sort of fully ensconced into this whole idea that we're really getting invested in the product before the product even exists um and, I, and you know in the past i'd been a regular reader of things like pc gamer but as you say you know like I think um, racing games probably got more coverage then than they do now in mainstream press, but still PC Gamer would, you know, like there would be maximum sort of a half-page preview about IndyCar racing, or um, I, I remember well with Richard Burns Rally, in fact, that there was like a, it was just a short, and there was literally one screenshot and a paragraph of text. Um, and we so we didn't get much on the racing game front, so... I never really got too uh, massively excited. Usually, you'd get a demo as well on the, on the cover disc or whatnot. So we'd get a demo, and that's it. when the demo came out is when it, I'd get interested or excited about it. You know, I remember playing an IndyCar Racing One demo, 
which came on a cover disc, um, and and Grand Prix Legends as well. There was a demo on uh, the cover of PC Gamer. Um, but with the Racing Legends, yeah, they set up a forum, they set up a website detailing everything about it, and it was it was nothing had been. Um, you know, nothing had been made that we could actually drive at, at any point, and it turns out never did. Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned two titles there that give me complete opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of <clears throat> my approach to this and also my experience of it. So, Racing Legends, yeah, it's like that first painful heart heartbreak you never quite get over. Um, <laughs> That's why you're a curmudgeon now. Yeah, I, I was I was a happy young man with his life ahead of me, and now I just bemoan bemoan the world. But um, no, I mean, I I had a lot of kind of sympathy for for the developers at the time, and sort of I don't know, I guess still do looking back. But as as you rightly pointed out, Tim, that let's be honest, didn't quite pan out as planned um, for for whatever reason. But certainly for me, as a kind of potential consumer, it was basically one of massive hope and expectation basically met with nothing so it was a huge disappointment but John you mentioned Richard Burns Rally and I remember this was a, a title and this was probably just due to me constantly being disappointed by every rally title ever released was I, I just had zero expectation from it I, I did not almost allow myself to get excited because every time some new rally game was coming I thought oh maybe this will be the one maybe this will be the one and then it was like no it's not so Richard Burns Rally, I just refused to let myself get excited for. And then I remember hearing people sort of saying, oh, you know, it, it doesn't look really good and blah, blah, blah. And I was just kind of like, I just ignored it. And then when that demo landed and I played that for the first time, like, God, the sense of um, just jubilation. You know, I, I, I don't think I've ever been as pleasantly surprised by a title, possibly any genre in my life, because I went from just refusing to have anything above zero expectation to being like this is what i've been waiting for for what 10 years plus like since i I'd sort of first got a wheel and probably got into my, my simming and so i do remember with richard burns rally in fact before the demo there was a video um possibly was on a pc gamer cover disc in fact i remember watching the video and just seeing the way the suspension was moving in the cars and the way that the car moved over the over the road and i thought that looks good that looks like it's going to be good and you know it was a big step above you know what colin mccray rally looked like which at, at the time was the previous rallying benchmark and you know you know going back to the previous point you know colin mccray rally was more of a mass market title that appealed you know the physics were workable but appealed to a, a wider audience um yeah, yeah i remember i remember seeing that video or, or a video and i just remember sort of almost saying to myself it's like now nah, the trickiness us the trickiness us it looks good but it won't it won't well, be like that the irony simon is that we were probably you and i were probably discussing it on the racing legends forum that very we, day we probably were <laughs> yeah it's it, it's interesting to hear you guys go go back to that because I've, I've I've definitely been through those cycles of disappointment and you know kind of not not letting myself be interested and 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 all that and then obviously I've been on the other side of the fence too where I've been the guy who's been posting the videos and posting the screenshots and 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 all that and um, I, I think uh, a big moment of realization where I kind of um, I kind of realized what I'd been doing a little bit um, was with uh, 
Hello Games and uh, uh, No Man's Sky, which is a uh, space game yeah. where um, I had seen all of the interviews coming up and um, I was really excited about the title. Um, and uh, their kind of lead person or the mouth of their company was kind of going out. He was on major TV shows kind of showing off his, his uh, game. And um, what he was obviously doing is he was showing um, um, early builds, which were kind of test beds almost. And um, it really kind of didn't end up to be completely that gameplay experience. When you landed on a planet, it was usually desolate, which most of them were, and you didn't have dinosaurs walking around and stuff like that, like what you know, like like he'd shown. And um, it, it just really wasn't that overall experience. And then um, I thought about kind of what I'd done when I was at at um, ISI, where, um, for example, I would go into the office, I would drive in there, it was like a four hour drive, um, and I would go there and I would work there for a day, like every uh, month, and um, you know, kind of keep in touch and see, see what was coming. Um, I'd sometimes be given footage and screenshots of upcoming features, and um, I would be told, you know, you can go out, you can post this, you can, you know, talk about this, this feature, this feature, this, this, this feature, and um, I would go ahead and do that, and then basically I would hear nothing for a few months, and then I would email the person that I know had been working on that, um, and I would get the answer that we weren't doing that anymore. <laughs> or, or we, or we weren't going to build that car anymore. You know, we we weren't going to build that track. And um, there was a lot of, uh, of of historic indie cars, for example, that I went out and licensed. Um, there was um, Formula One cars that I went. I, I got one from every single decade since 1950 that I had lined up for a license, and um, things just never happened. And it, uh, I realized that I had done exactly the same thing as, as that guy from Hello Games going on there, showing off the, the potential hmm. more than what ended up being in the actual product. And it's exactly the same thing that the West Brothers did with, um, with uh, uh, you know, racing legends, with world, with world sports cars, is they showed off the potential. And uh, yeah, it just never came out. John and I have been <clears throat> talking back and forth for well, six months probably talking about the new Zelda game coming out, and like, I think they're kind of like, I think what I've kind of the conclusion I've come to over the last few years is basically, unless it's Nintendo releasing a Mario or a Zelda game, it's just just assume it's not going to be what you want it to be or what they say it's going to be, and then you can always be pleasantly surprised, and it's it's better to have that than than disappointment. I think you know, like in you know, going back to the sort of modern way of doing things now in in video game marketing in the hold and specifically in racing sims the there are no surprises anymore because the marketing push is so big so you have so many developer interviews you have so many screenshots videos um somebody on youtube gets to have a go on it and talk about it and and you know like i i pay a limited amount of in, uh, attention to these things but if you are um you know, if you if you are tr really excited about uh, a game, or in in the case of the way um, 
you know, like uh, nowadays with with Sims, it would be like a DLC being released. Um, if you're excited about the new Assetto Corsa Competizione DLC, for instance, and they're adding five new cars, you will be able to find out all about them, and you will know everything before you've even, you know, before you've even downloaded it onto your own computer. And the difference to the way things used to be, the way we talked about with Richard Burns Rally or whatever, is that you'd read some things in a magazine, and that's maybe the extent of what you'd do. And then you'd get the game, you'd install it, and then, indeed, you might be disappointed. You know, Spirit of Speed, 1937. Um, or you might get, uh, you know, you might get GPL, or you might get Richard Burns Rally, and, and like suddenly you find that your evenings are gone. That's uh, an interesting title that you just mentioned, which um, I just recently uncovered um, a lot of information about. Uh, with uh, Spirit of Speed, the developers actually had builds that were far, far, far better than they ever released. Um, and uh, there are actually in public now, if you go looking for them, you can find them on uh, 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 the um, internet. There's, um, on the internet. Uh, <laughs> Race Sim yeah, Central is where I would go for them, surely. <laughs> no, I, I haven't hosted them. I have downloaded them, so if they disappear, <laughs> I will still have them. But um, yeah, I, I, I don't want to get in the way of the person who's actually hosting them. But uh, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of different builds that are out there, and um, there's a lot of different um, executables, and um, there was a lot of realistic versions of, of, of that game that were developed and they were fighting with their publishers and they were fighting with executives on what they could actually release. And it's the same thing that happened with um, the uh, kind of Grand Prix Legends engine, is that there was uh, ex the um, higher-ups from Sierra and um, everybody there just didn't want to put the Grand Prix Legends engine out to uh, NASCAR racers um, because of the difficulty and um, the time that it would take that was a little bit extra to uh, develop and then obviously we um, had NASCAR Racing 3 that was cancelled and then released using the NASCAR Racing 2 engine rather than, than the Grand Prix Legends engine um, for those reasons and um, yeah that was all kind of potential that we were actually shown there was a trailer released of the cancelled NASCAR Racing 3 that I have on my uh, uh, YouTube there's uh, screenshots and things like that, and I just remember seeing the really early screenshots of that cancelled NASCAR Racing 3, where basically you could just see two wheels off off the ground in the trailer and things like that, which is something you'd never seen before because they were always attached to the to the racing surface, um, and and that's when you knew, oh my God, it has these six degrees of freedom, you know, this is yeah. massive, and then obviously that never came out either. Uh, NASCAR Racing 4 used the GPL engine though, right? Yes, it did. Was that under a different publisher? Um, it was under different uh, ownership. At that point, Sierra had been uh, bought out by, I think at that point it was Sendent, they were called. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. So it did come in the end. And I do recall that uh, it needed some development, actually, with NASCAR Racing 4. I, um, the engine didn't cope with the weight of the cars or something like that, but there was definitely a very um, very low tolerance for, for braking grip. Um, yeah, they they definitely uh, improved the NASCAR simulation um, by NASCAR 2003, uh, which was obviously the last title. Yeah, the pinnacle. Just, just thinking in terms of um, both of your kind of attitudes and thoughts, but 
also for you, Tim, being on sort of both sides of the, the fence of it, is that in terms of, you know, hype, expectation, marketing, etc., how how do you feel that's changed with the sort of significant rise of things like early access and stuff? Because what in in my time in PC gaming, and this is, you know, quite a long time now, it's gone from titles shipped to title shipped and then you know you get little patches to fix little things to title shipped with the expectation you know there's going to be lots of patches that actually finish the yeah. game and now it's more you actually get to start playing the game before it's even finished and that's not always the case it you know not every publisher or developer works in that way but you know i i, I kind of i think for me it depends very much on the title something like a, a a car sim i don't mind jumping on that in early access if it was something like a you know, an RPG or something, I wouldn't want to go near it till it was finished because basically you're spoiling the story or you're spoiling the, the you know, the actual... It's yeah, like watching, it's I, watching I, I a half-edited film or something. Yeah, yeah, you know? I don't touch early access anymore um, unless it's maybe a racing sim. Um, but with racing sims, again, you know, if you're given one car and one track or something like that, then, you know, you've got you've got a game as far as I'm concerned because I'm boring enough to just pound round and round. But okay. um, the... It's something I was thinking the other day, and it, it, with a lot of sims, um, racing sims, and uh, I think the same with flight sims, because I was thinking X Plane 12 recently came out, um, and it feels like you know you need to give it a year to be fully baked. You know, like it's it's out, it's released, it has these features, but they, you know new features are being added. I think it was similar with uh, Assetto Corsa Competizione. It released, um, I think, in early access for a while, and so there wasn't much, and steadily con content was added. Um, and now it's a pretty you know solid and complete game. Uh, Automobilista Two, similarly, you know, it started at a certain level, and it's and it's just continually been improved upon with every update. Um, you know, if you're there thinking, you know, well, when's it going to be done? You, you, I don't know when the, don't know what the answer is that to that is because the of course, Competizione had an update recently that updated physics, you know, changed things. You know, um, iRacing's probably set the template for this with the fact that every three months they put out a new build, uh, updating this, that, and the other. And you know, like why wouldn't the other sims uh, keep up with that? Um, you know, if they're if they're finding new ways to develop it, then then they're going to make changes to it. But in the past, obviously, you know, like NASCAR Racing two thousand and three was released, and it was that, and there was maybe a small uh, a couple of patches that fixed issues. But you know, it was it was ne they never came along and said, "Oh, we're we're changing the physics." Yeah, the the way that a title is marketed is is obviously completely related to how it's being developed and and obviously released um with iRacing especially they were historically um very tight-lipped they had continued from the papyrus days really where basically um you were almost going to be lucky if you got a trailer before the thing was released i i think with the uh, uh recent mercedes f f f1 cars that they released they didn't put out a trailer until two days after the the, the uh, car was out yeah. Um, and you know, obviously, by that point, the impact of a of a trailer is kind of gone. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it kind of it is really interesting to see how early access um, kind of changes that too. With R Factor Two, it was obviously a form of early access that that it was going through. It was in 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 house that that was called a uh, beta version of it at that point, although that was just the name that was given to it. It wasn't really in that state or 
those states kind of don't really exist anymore. Um, um, alpha, um, alpha beta is a very muddy term now. But um, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it kind of, it is interesting that just lately as well, I feel like iRacing have started to uh, preview things a little bit earlier. And I think that is a change in marketing that we're seeing right there um, with the uh, Hareth track that was recently released. They put out a video um, that featured the uh, what's called the uh, ribbon, the actual racing surface um, yep. was actually modeled, but everything else was uh, point cloud. So um, that's something that historically they kind of wouldn't do before, you know, releasing the uh, track before. You, you you did have that with Long Beach, but that, that's because it was one of their uh, tech tracks that they hadn't finished building. Um, and I, I have noticed a little bit of a difference there that, that is kind of interesting. And I'm, I do wonder why they're doing that, whether that is more kind of that they want to dip into the kind of media outlets a little bit more often, the want to get more more YouTube videos made about them by influencers. Um, you know, and, and and you know, kind of on on that topic, I think that is kind of the way that we see titles marketed these days is that, you know, if something is given early access, it's almost the people in early access that are marketing it for you. They're making YouTube videos, they're tweeting about it. Yeah. Um, you know, that's that's the major difference between how things used to be and how they are now. I mean, I think part of that with iRacing is probably that uh, if you build up a, a little bit of uh, fizz around the um, track or car being released, that you will get a certain amount of impulse buyers when on you know the day of release or in the first week of release. Whereas otherwise, the only reason to buy a track is if you're running a series that is running that track. So, you know, I am definitely an example of somebody that owns tracks that I've hardly ever raced on because I'm running series that aren't, aren't going near them. Or, you know, like I when I was doing lower license levels maybe, you know, like I'd, I haven't raced at Lime Rock for a really long time because I'm always racing cars that are a bit too big and fast for that track. Um, but you know, I can't. I can't sell Lime Rock now, can I? But <laughs> but anyway, the um, the fact is, you know, if they if they were to release, um, uh, let's say Cadwell Park again, I probably wouldn't. I, I would go. Oh, that's nice. I like Cadwell Park, but um, unless I'm going to be going back into you know, like Formula Ford or the um, um, Mazda MX Five or something like that, then you know, like pushing a, a big LMP1 car around it is not going to work on a track like that. Um, so I'm not going to buy the track and, you know, it's 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 out of utility. Um, whereas, you know, I think maybe if... I definitely bought Fuji Speedway on an impulse. Uh, that, that is, a, I mean, to be fair, that is a track that's big enough for the cars I'm driving, but it hasn't actually appeared in any of the series I'm running yet. Uh, whether it will or not, I don't know. But, um, you know, like it's... Uh, yeah. I think I think they're probably just doing that to um, get the impulse purchases going rolling. I actually have a question for you guys that I think might uh, make some interesting answers, and, and we can probably close on this. Um, but uh, I I kind of I'm I'm going to talk about my experiences with this first, and then uh, um, each of you can probably come up with um, you know your own answers on this. But um, in the whole of sim racing, I think it was probably the Grand Prix Legends demo that, that 
sold me something the most for obvious reasons you know it was a big step forward in physics it was that that first experience um it was basically impossible at first and then obviously you know i kind of gave up and retried um but in gaming as a whole i think um there was a cover disc that had uh, frontier elite 2's um intro sequence on it um and in all of video game marketing, that's the thing that actually sold me on a product the most. Um, because I would actually go to bed at night with that uh, looping over and over and over as a, uh, uh, a rolling demo. I would have my uh, Commodore Amiga playing that intro over and over and over with it on. Um, and uh, that's probably the game that I've looked forward to the most. And it was such a simple kind of thing for them to do as far as marketing that title but I completely fell in love with the game before I'd even touched it is there any anything um, John or Simon that, that that kind of hit you guys in that way I mean I'll start by saying that I think that the way that you get hit by these things when you're a 14 year old is very different to the way that you get hit by these things when you're old old man yeah. like me um, but uh, you know, I very much similar experience with Frontier Elite 2, to be honest. It was a game I was waiting for a great deal, and I was super excited about it. But I think the main thing, the biggest one in my mind is uh, Formula 1 Grand Prix 1. And seeing the box art, and I don't know... either. That's right, The um, there was an advert in... It was pre-PC Gamer. PC Gamer as a magazine did not exist yet in the UK. Uh, PC Format was the magazine of choice at the time, which of course uh, some will remember was not just about games and entertainment, but it also covered everything you could do with your PC. Um, basically they had a full page advert for Formula One Grand Prix and it, it was basically just the box art with the um, so, Debadged uh, Lotus 102D, I think. Um, but basically, that that was it for me when I saw because I I'd been playing Revs for many years, and you know I got into um, Indy 500 a bit, but I never really hooked with the oval. You know, I, I mean, when I say a bit, I probably played it for like 50 hours or something. But like that was, I'd probably played Revs for for more than that. I think. Um, and so to know that this was the next thing from the guy that did revs and also seeing that image of the Formula One car, knowing it was Formula One, I was super into Formula One at the time. So, um, yeah, it was that for me. I think I can probably give two two answers and they they both had a similar effect in some respects. So I think one I think one difference between you two and myself, apart from um well, but I think the reason you you two have this sort of um, exposure to a lot of the older titles than I did is that like I didn't grow up in a gaming household. You know, there was no PC in the house or anything like that. So I was a uh, you know I had a I had my SNES playing Mario Kart, and then I remember I really wanted an N64, and I saw the previews of Mario 64 and pictures of all these games, Pilot Wings, etc. And I was like, yeah, I can't wait for this. I can't wait for this. And the the N64 release was delayed. It kept being delayed and delayed, and I was just hanging on and hanging on. And the PlayStation came out. I was like, nah, I want this N64. I'm waiting and waiting and waiting. And then I saw basically a magazine preview for 
Formula One title by Bizarre Creations. And at the time, for me in console land, this was just absolute paradigm shift. You know, it had the it looked amazing, even though if you look back now, it doesn't look quite so amazing. But you know, at the time, it looked amazing with the the TV captions and everything. And so I, I literally went from wanting an N64 desperately and waiting and waiting and waiting to like, oh, I'm getting a PlayStation. And it was basically for that. And then similarly, I didn't really have much intention of getting a PC. I wasn't, you know, I was a bit aware of the PC gaming scene. I'd been at friends' houses and sort of been on Doom and stuff and thought, wow, this is very different to playing on the Super Nintendo or, or PlayStation. Um, well, yeah, a bit before PlayStation. But basically when um, Mobile One Rally Championship came out, um, that was it. I went and bought a PC pretty much to play that one game. And at the time I was maybe 16 and my job was picking up rubbish at a service station. So I was not well flushed, but I basically (laughs) went and took all of my savings and bought myself a PC and a wheel just for that one game, which actually turned out to not to be very good. And that, that started my disappointment that ultimately led to the relief of Richard Burns rally. But um, it's a good job it came out because I bought a PC it got me on the hunt for more and more and got me basically into sim racing um so that was that was a pretty big i basically bought a pc because of six pictures in edge magazine and a review um cool stuff right well that's about all we got time for again today um you can get in touch with us to ask questions on the race sim central twitter feed or on the facebook page uh, or join us on the Race Sim Central forums. Um, thank you very much, everybody, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>